0: Now, it may surprise you, Shanghai Adops Technology Co-Limited is actually a Chinese firm. And what they do, their business, is they say, look, we, we've got the technology to wirelessly update software installed on mobile and IoT devices. And they have a number of big-name clients, in not just Blue, but ZTE and the impossible-to-pronounce. And I'm going to look at you now, David.
1: Huawei, Huawei, Huawei. My take on this is to adopt the 1980s kind of football chant. Who are we? Okay, like
2: that, like that, funny.
1: Smashing Security, Episode 76, Spying Phones, Hacked Ski Lifts and World Password Day, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley.
0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security episode 76. My name is Graham Cluley. I'm Carol Terrio, And we're joined today by returning guest. is the globe-trotting TV star, broadcaster and journalist, David McClellan. <laughs>
1: hello,
2: David. <laughs> hello,
1: Graham. Hello, Carol. Lovely to hear from you again.
2: Yes, so good you're on the show again.
0: It's great to have you back. I know you've been trotting around the world, doing all kinds of things. You've been to China. You've oh, been well, to Oh you got a pig.
2: And... You've said trotting twice. <laughs> what, what? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> he's just trying to undermine you david i know his techniques <sighs> uh, he's, he's a busy chap so we always appreciate
0: him coming on the show and talking of shows david you may have heard hmm. if you've been following our twitter and our, our gracious listeners may have heard as well that we are going to take our show on the road very next month exciting. very exciting in the month exciting. of june so
1: where are you going where where are right. you trotting off to graham we-
2: <laughs> yeah graham <laughs>
0: My piggy little eyes and four little trotters will be ambling along. First of all, we're going to Cambridge, and then London, and Manchester, and Edinburgh. Sounds so pizzazzy, doesn't it? Doesn't it? We will be appearing as part of the Secure Tour with our good chums at Chess Cyber Security. Yep. And uh, it will be in the form of a live podcast in front of real people. Now, that in itself is petrifying. Podcasting in front of people. But what's even worse is that Kroll and I will be in the same room as we do it.
2: <laughs> and we Um not- excuse me?
0: Well, we've never actually recorded in the no. same room, have we? We're, we're like now we're we're in different locations.
2: Thank God for that. So um, the sparks will fly.
0: Sparks will fly. Sparks are going to fly. Yeah. So we have created a little page. If you if you happen to be interested in coming to see us and the rest of the secure tour, if you go to smashingsecurity.com dot com slash live, <laughs>
2: you can. Do you know, check out you've been talking so our, long. You're almost like Sam Harris's housekeeping section. which well, <laughs> You can
0: check out our upcoming dates.
2: Woo woo! Sponsor <laughs> section. Woo woo! Thanks to Meta Compliance for supporting this episode of Smashing Security. People are the key to minimizing cybersecurity risk postures, and Metacompliance makes this easier. Listeners, you can get a 10% discount off the high-quality cybersecurity e-learning catalog from Metacompliance by quoting the code Smashing. Visit Metacompliance.com and quote the code Smashing. And welcome back. Now,
0: chaps... How would you feel about me rifling through your smartphones? Um, would you be comfortable with that if you unlocked them, just give them to me? It'd be fine. It'd be no, it won't be a problem. I noticed you say
1: <laughs> smartphones because yes, like 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 many techies, I do travel around with probably a, a pocket full of different smartphones.
2: You're kidding? No, 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 it's
1: true. Yeah. <laughs> You've got, you've got them all, haven't you? You're trying them out, testing out all the technology. It's my job to be as, across as many of the platforms as I, as I can be. Otherwise, I feel a bit of a fraud. Even more of a fraud than I feel anyway. <laughs>
0: so you could probably spare one of those, hand it over to me, and you wouldn't mind me looking at your text messages and your private communication. It'd be no problem at all, would it? No problem at all. <laughs> well, the thing is, have you or any of our lovely listeners bought themselves a cheap android phone on amazon or at the best buy store because if they have it may have been secretly sending all of your text messages and more to a server in shanghai shut the (laughs) front door i'm afraid so if you get away
2: no way Amazon and Best Buy, they're pretty reputable places.
0: Well, well, you'd think so. But, you know, there are some dodgy things sold up on these sites as well. On the Uh, internet? Yes, I know. Hard to believe, isn't it? Even on places like Amazon. Several Android smartphones sold through major retailers like Best Buy and Amazon have had firmware pre-installed on them which transmits sensitive information to third-party servers in China without the owner's knowledge or consent. And the ones which are of interest to us today are made by a Florida-based company called Blue, B-L-U, yes. all in caps. And if you go looking for cheap Android phones on Amazon, chances are you are going to find some Blue phones. Now,
1: I remember, Graham, when these launched. It must have been late 2016. And I remember when the mm. PRs were getting in touch with me. And uh, and they reviewed OK. You know, they're American budget still android handsets but they've got pretty good specs they look quite they they look quite good and they're available at a really reasonable price and most of the tech titles that got their hands on it said yeah it's a pretty good Budget phone, and it comes from the states. You know, it's, it's a state, it's a United States brand rather than a no-name uh, Far oh, Eastern brand. Yes.
2: What's a budget phone go for?
1: About
0: a hundred dollars or something like that. I'd
2: I'm
1: think. looking actually at one right now on Amazon. One of these phones in question, and it is uh, around about one hundred and thirty pounds used. They go up to around about two hundred and fifty pounds, I think, for, uh, okay. for the new ones.
2: But it's a lot cheaper mm-hmm. than an iPhone or a high spec. Oh yes, I say, yeah, Galaxy, yes. Whatever, and a lot yeah.
0: cheaper than a yes, a swanky Samsung or something right. like that. Now. So, like you said, so Blue, an American company, but they don't want to do everything. So they contract out some of the dull, tedious, boring <laughs> stuff like security updates, supply updates chain and
2: issues, things like that. Chain <laughs>
0: they, they, they gave that to a company called Shanghai Addups Technology Co Limited, and um, now it may surprise you, Shanghai Addups Technology Co Limited is actually a Chinese firm. Mm. And what they do, their business is, they say, "Look, we, we've got the technology to wirelessly update software installed on mobile and IoT devices." And they have a number of big name clients, not just Blue but ZTE and the impossible to pronounce. And I'm going to look at you now, David. Wait a
2: minute, you guys in the same room, and I'm not there.
1: You can. What? I can feel your piercing glare <laughs> through the microphone, Graham. <laughs> Um, my take on this is to adopt the 1980s kind of football chant: "Who are we?" So uh, <laughs> there we okay, go. I like that. Like that. <laughs> who I are we know. is good for me.
0: So, so there's a number of big names who were being supported by Adapts Technology, uh, but it's Blue that has just had its knuckles wrapped by the FTC because Adapts um weren't just pushing out updates they were also grabbing much more data than they needed from your smartphone to mm. do their job and sent it to a chinese server now you may be thinking well how how much data were they really taking well let me tell you
2: exactly oh, no. how okay much. hold on I'm just get my head in my hands quietly so i don't knock my microphone <laughs> start weeping okay i'm silent they, tears are, are falling down my face
0: they took the full content of consumers text messages their real-time location data, mm-hmm. the call and text message logs with full telephone numbers, contact nice. lists, lists of applications used, everything that's been installed on the blue device,
2: Ouch. goes to a
0: Chinese server.
2: Ouch! And two hundred pounds <laughs> gave you this wonderful opportunity to give away everything. Ah. Yeah. Nightmare. This
0: data collection could not be disabled by users. Now, that would be bad enough. And let's face it, that is pretty appalling because your private yeah. messages are simply not private and your location is not private anymore. It's been shared with this other company you've never even heard of. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, this add-up software, which was pre-installed on the phones, contained its own security flaws, oh. which could be exploited by hackers. So Jeez. bad enough that you're getting ripped off. But... <laughs> which is horrendous, but in addition to that, to make it even more painful, that ripping off software was actually exposing you to other risks yeah, as well. Yeah, okay, because but you know what,
2: the risk before is so bad, I don't even know, it's not even icing, <laughs> right? It's not even a sprinkle of icing sugar. But
0: doesn't it make you wonder, just for a second, what might be the intention behind collecting all this data? You know, I I think if if we read between all the lines, it's probably advertising. It's, it's going to be about making money in some If fashion. we're lucky. Okay. And they might even be selling themselves to the telephone company saying, look, if you allow us to extract data, if you put us on the, on the phones, then we'll give you a cut of any advertising.
2: I think it's about if someone could actually tie that to social media feeds, right? So they've got your full number, they've got all your secret texts now. I mean, it's a lot of information. Right, and look
0: at the freakout we've just had, quite rightly, about Facebook and Cambridge Analytica and and all the impact that's had. Huge, huge, mega headlines. Here is something which I would argue is even more invasive in some ways, taking much more of your information. This is a level of data uh, theft, basically, which goes far beyond what that Facebook application was taking from users.
1: We've also seen this not only on smartphones, but also on desktop and laptop computers as well. Yes. Do you remember Lenovo a few years <laughs> yes. ago? There was um, yeah. a piece of malware which um, Michael Horowitz, I think, discovered that was sending data to Omniture. And that was all about marketing and and so on. And that, that was a big stink when that got trawled out as well. And again, consumers have no idea that this is happening. It's so, so wrong that... I may well have agreed to some terms and conditions, but nowhere in there does it say that it's going to be sending the content of my text messages or my emails or the, or, you know, the, the data about the files that I've got stored in my documents. It seems to be more rife than we imagine,
0: and, and it's, insidi- it's insidious, isn't it? This sort of crapware which is pre-installed on your, it's, it's like you have to pay more money to get a computer which doesn't have all this junk which is mm. pre-installed by the manufacturer. That's one of the ways they're trying to claw some income out of you because they've sold it to you for so cheap
2: well you know and gdpr guys is literally like two weeks away now right we, and we kind of need
0: a klaxon to go off when <laughs> someone mentions gdpr i'm
2: just thinking these kind of stories are it's going to be interesting if they actually you know rev up the engines right away or not because this is mm. exactly the kind of thing that i think certainly the eu residents although i'd argue everyone around the world would like to see it dealt with
1: do you have a drinking game? Does anyone in any of the forums have a drinking game that whenever you mention passwords or malware or something, it's you know have a sip of your beer or something else? Maybe we should have the same for GDPR.
2: Yes, or just oh. yeah, just listen to the show, and every time we say a security word, have a shot. Yeah. Oh
1: my word, <laughs> baby! Show. It'll, be, it'll be more smashed security instead. <laughs> So,
0: talking about slurping, um, (laughs) the first reports of this data being slurped up, they became public in November 2016 when some researchers found these Blue phones were doing this. Mm -hmm. And Blue said to its customers, oh, look, Adops has updated its software. Don't worry about it. They've stopped all of that. A year later, it was found that they were still doing it. Mm. and. Just now, FTC have said that Blue continued to allow ADAPTS to operate its rather shady activities without properly watching what was going on.
2: What the Oops. heck did ADUPS have on Blue?
0: Well, <laughs> I, I think the thing was that ADAPTS had the ability to remotely disable this functionality on phones. Oh. And then whenever they wanted, they thought, OK, the heat's off us now, they could turn it back on again. So maybe Blue didn't know about it. I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's a little bit vague as to how much Blue were compliant with all of this.
2: Yeah, you'd kind of want a phone manufacturer to kind of look into this stuff, though, No. You know,
0: well, they have now had their knuckles wrapped. They say that they've now implemented a comprehensive data security program. Um, they have been told that they cannot misrepresent what has happened in the past. And further <laughs> than that... What the that, heck does be- that mean? I think that means that they now told some porky pies about <laughs> it in the past as to what exactly <laughs> Thank happened. Thank you. And for the next 20 years, every two years, they will be subject to third-party assessments of their security program. Um, and they've been told well, they have to comply so it's pretty, you know, although they haven't been financially fined for this, it's pretty rough uh, treatment, I think, for...
2: Well, not, oh, whatever. Well, wait, Shut up. Well, no, no, Shut no. Up. Rightly
0: rough. I mean, rightly rough, right? Yeah. It's, it's not been a complete sort of, oh, there, then, don't do it again, tap on the hand. It is more than that. Like they have to
2: keep records. Ooh. <laughs> well, no, on what they're doing. They yeah. have to keep proof that they, they are compliant yes, and that that's, they're not that's, spying that's on people. That's how you comply with most regulatory bodies.
0: <sighs> anyway... Anyway, I think the message here is think twice before buying a cheapo Android phone from an unfamiliar manufacturer. Be wary of anything that's super cheap because if it is really cheap and doesn't make you watch ads, for instance, then you have to wonder how else the company is making money. I hate that argument.
2: I hate that argument. Someone could come out tomorrow, add a zero to the price, and people are like, oh, well, Graham said as long as – (laughs) yeah, hey, cream shit. <laughs> well, Sorry, why exactly would they have a voice like that, Crow? When you say cream no reason,
0: no reason, honey. Okay, interesting, hmm. interesting. I, <laughs> I think the thing is, you live your life through the phone. It has to be worth paying a little bit more to have some confidence that you've got a safe device. And you, you are right, Crow. More expensive doesn't necessarily mean better. No. But at least I imagine the major manufacturers are being watched a little bit more closely and maybe have got more to lose when they're found out to be doing something wrong.
1: I hope so, yes.
0: Let's hope so. So I guess you guys want your phones back now, do you? You (laughs)
2: Like you ever got your hands on my phone.
1: David,
0: what have you got for us this week?
1: Well, I don't know if you're aware, but there are a couple of big days this week. Tomorrow is May the 4th, so it is Star Wars Day. woo <laughs> um, But today, today, Thursday, it is World Password Day. So um, I wanted to drag up a story from a few days ago now, but I don't think you've discussed it here on the show yet. Um, and it's a piece of... What some would call controversial advice from UK bank Santander. Ooh, do tell. So, this came after one of Santander's customers. He found himself unable to copy and paste from his password manager software into the Santander web app and so on. And so he got in touch with, with the bank on Twitter. Okay. Or rather, he got in touch with one of the customer service reps who was manning the Twitter account, which is as good as the same thing, right? right? And the bank turned around and said that it would never recommend using third-party password managers. (gasps) It is no longer possible to use these for security reasons. Well, as you can imagine, the (laughs) internet kind of blew up at that statement. But I just kind of wanted to um, raise some of the concerns, because I know we've talked about password managers on here. I've talked them elsewhere as well and that there are a kind of a number of common concerns that people maybe from outside the industry and looking at the twitter conversation with santander and if you have security professionals yeah some people even within the security industry some concerns that people have around password managers so while i think of them as generally being a good thing i know you guys do as well i think given that it's world password day it might be as well just to address some of those concerns, and, and to discuss them here, maybe do a bit of myth busting, if you like. So this is
2: a bit of a splinter episode topic. I'm just uh, just noting.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> so- <laughs> so, um, how, about, how about the criticism or the concern that um, password managers, surely having all of your eggs in one basket is a bad thing?
0: Do you know what? This is the one which I hear all the time. And when people, people say, oh, how am I meant to remember my passwords? I said, get yourself a password manager. They say, yeah, but what if that gets hacked? I love it when people say that because that says to me you are thinking about security the right way well done for being cynical Mm. well done for thinking something really bad could happen because that's what's going to protect you in future and yes potentially (laughs) have you given
2: this talk before
0: (laughs) yes maybe your password vault could be hacked right and 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 maybe your the master password which you use to protect it could be weak or whatever but it's still got to be better and more secure for you to use a password manager than using your puny human brain to remember passwords because you'll just end up using the same password everywhere. Okay, but
2: what about about, um, some people that might be more technically challenged than others? Would you recommend that they try and get their head around the whole concept of apps running within browsers that allow you to, you know, and you can cross-platform it from your computer to your phone? Or do you just say pen and paper? I...
0: it depends. So there, there are people who, I must admit, I have failed to get to use password managers. There's people who I've managed to overcome their concerns and they're, oh, I don't know what to do. You know, we've shown them it's not that tricky. However, I have had a number of failures. And in those cases, I have tended to say, write it down in a book hmm. and put the book somewhere safe. I don't love that as a solution because there's the risk, of course, that you might have a fire or you may lose the book or, you know, get stolen or you something You may lose like your that.
1: password manager vault as well if all of that's in one place and it's yeah. well secured. You know, that that's equally open to a fire as well, I guess.
0: I suppose so, although you would hope that it's at some data centre which is being looked after properly and properly backed up. Mm-hmm. And you know,
2: Look, you it's basically that. this. I think we all want to have different passwords for different websites and there's no way in heck any of us can remember... This, all no. the passwords for 200, 500, 1,000 websites we need to visit and log into. Yep. Now, some of us are very lucky, and we have five websites we go to. And to you, <laughs> I say, I wish I had your life, often. <laughs> but I am not one of those people, and I need to use a password manager in order to have nice, long, complex passwords that I don't need to keep track of. Mm. That's it. It makes my life easier. I don't know if it's safer, though, because I do think they're a bit of a – you know. No, I do think they're safer. I do think they're safer. I do think they're safer. I think it's
0: safer because I think you just fall into making so many mistakes if you just leave it to yourself to do. We've done a splinter episode all about passwords, so I don't want to cover too much of the same ground. But maybe the most important thing to stress to people is it's not so much about having a hard-to-crack password. The most important thing is to have a unique password. So have a different password for different sites. The bad guys will grab your password in one place, and the first thing they will do is try and use that password to unlock your Gmail account. Parallel attacks. Like yeah. yeah. And also, of course, if you can enable something like two-factor authentication, you're even more secure. You can even, hopefully, on your password vault, have additional levels of authentication yeah. to make sure someone can't get into that. Look,
2: deal. let's face it. We're all into using password managers, right? So yes. this is not really very debatey. We need someone from the other side. You
0: need someone who hates all of these yeah. things. Some sort of mega brain who can remember all of their passwords Oh, I can think of someone. Automatically. You can. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I'll say it off air. (laughs)
0: It's it's exciting for the listeners.
1: I have tried and failed with password managers with my mum and dad, who always yep. listen to the things that I do. So hello mum. Hello dad. Um, but they I think they do live that lifestyle that you crave in terms of having five different usernames yeah. and password. My dad has a Chromebook, which goodness me has cut down on my PC support calls so much. <laughs> um and you know, he everything he accesses is through a web browser and everything he accesses is Basically, two websites, which mm-hmm. uh, even he can just about remember those. And my mum on her iPad—that's all she uses. Pretty straightforward. My wife, she doesn't listen to everything that like I do, so that's <laughs> fine. I can, I can kind of naysay you her tell a little me about
2: bit. It. My husband doesn't listen either. <laughs> Welcome to the club.
1: I've been trying to get her into a family account with a password manager that I use um, for the last six months or so, and she yeah. just. Doesn't get it, she seems to think it's far easier just to reset the password every time you forget what it is, which is practically I've every time she loves it. That. She is yeah. one of those people, yes.
2: I don't know though. What's the fight against it? I don't know. There I kind of thought it was rather clever. I'd never even thought of it myself. So I thought when someone mentioned it, I was like, hmm, that's yeah. kind of interesting idea.
1: I think it's just change, and it's that age old thing of getting people to change the behaviors that have been embedded within them. It's an additional step, you know, with the password manager that I use, it it can be built into the browser or as a standalone Mm -hmm. app or something but it's just not in her muscle memory and i think that's her main objection to it so i'm going to keep on chipping away at 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 that little block and i'll I'll report back and let you know if i have success
0: and and listeners if there is anyone out there who hasn't yet tried a password manager keeps on hearing us talking about them give it a go because it is world password day so maybe today's the day to just give it a dip your toe in and see how you get on
2: Yeah. At least check it out. Yeah.
1: Just as a... Uh, as a coder to this story, the, um, the the guy on Twitter who got in touch with Santander, I mean, he was he was pretty good about the whole thing. He wasn't used to being involved in, a, in the middle of a Twitter storm like this. And I think that he, he actually handled it very well. The guy He actually spoke with the guys from Santander who did say, well, you know what, in the face of this and in the face of so much uh, vitriol online mm-hmm. from all of the great and good of the security world and the National Cyber Security yes. Centre who chipped in as well, they said, we're going to go and review our policy we're going to have a chat to our developers and we will get back to you and let you know what we think so you know it's not as though santander of you know that's quite put nice. the shutters down they've been yeah. quite open about it and said well thank you for bringing this to our attention good for well, them. just like people are
0: being convinced to use good password managers i think more and more websites are learning that they shouldn't do things which stop password managers from working effectively and one of those things is yeah. of course the ability to paste your password into the login form because if you don't do that then admittedly yeah a password manager can be a bit of a pain Then
2: good advice onwards
0: onwards crawl from one happy story to another i hope you got something upbeat something cheerful something that's going to fill us with joy to end this episode of smashing security with what have you got for us
2: Well, you know, it's always fun doing this show because I know you quite well, Graham, but I don't always know our guests very well, right? So, Dave, I want to know if you're a big wuss like Graham when it comes to winter athletics.
1: I have never been skiing. Have have... you not
2: been skiing? Skating? Skating?
1: Uh, Skating. I've been ice skating a few times, but I'm... Uh, we haven't met in person But I'm he quite is. tall I'm a good 6'2", 6'3", I've got quite a high centre of gravity Which means <laughs> I fall over And oh it makes God. a lot of noise And it may <laughs> it may crack the ice When I fall over And the same with skiing as well it, it's, it's a long way to fall I've never been skiing on actual snow Just those really <laughs> bristly no, dry ski slopes And oh, oh, I, I, I hate the them The Canadian so. in me
0: is crying I'm sorry Hang on a moment. Does it turn out that out of the two of us, out of hunky David McClelland and myself, who's got a very low central gravity, <laughs> I am actually the more experienced winter athlete?
1: And also, any sports that I do have to involve a ball, whether I'm hitting a ball or <laughs> kicking a ball or throwing a ball or, or something like that. They're the only ones that seem to engage with me. I'm, I must be part dog could or be something. Bernard if you're
2: doing winter I Bernard. can't wait to meet you in person. I'll let you know. Yes. Um, now, Graham, so. It turns out that maybe you've been right about being afraid of things oh, like that. I,
0: I have been skiing once and okay, not, when I was 12 years old. And yeah. I just thought, what is the point okay. of this? Because you know, you, there you are standing <laughs> at the bottom of this slippery, slidy, icy mountain thing. And you've got to get to the top of it in and the, the horrible glorious sunshine. You're all wrapped yeah. up like this and you're biking away and all the rest of it heat stroke or whatever yeah. and, and you've got your planks <laughs> stuck on your feet and you have to sort of waddle up to the top or catch a chairlift just for the purpose of coming oh, all the way back down again what was the point terrified of that? <laughs> well not as terrified as the people i'm about to crash into but yeah I, i've had some bad experiences on the snow i have to say <laughs>
2: Not as terrifying as the poor skiers in Godari, Georgia, this week, when the ski lift went completely haywire. Did you see this? It started speeding backwards at terrifying speeds with loads of skiers on the ski lift, so it's kind of hurtling them off. There's, I've got a short clip here. You can take a look, but it's bloody harrowing. Let's check this out. This is like a snow. Oh my word! This is horrendous. Good
1: grief! <gasps> Oh my gosh!
2: And they're all crashing into
0: one uh, another. Rental guidance is... warning, please don't don't watch this. Before. Oh my word.
2: Yes, yes, and they're jumping off, trying to save themselves.
0: lips are terrifying at the best of times. Being 30, 40 feet in the air, and then you're being fl- this
2: is flinging you backwards around. a. The- it's horrendous. Do people die? Are we watching people die in here, Carl? No, I don't think anyone died, but a lot of people got hurt. A dozen people or so got hurt. And they're actually thinking, that's incredible, that there were so few. Now, a completely different story, all about chairlifts and security Happens to come out on the same day, which is really kind of strange because apparently they're not related at all. In fact, the researchers didn't even know about the Gudari chairlift incident. Right. Let me welcome to the story two infosecurity dudes named Tim Philip Schaffer and Sebastian Neef, both from internetvacker.org. <laughs> Internet what? Internetvacker.org. Oh, careful how you say that, right? <laughs> now, Internetvacker. is like a cyber scooby-doo gang and they seem to look (laughs) they really are it's a really great website and they look around for serious online flaws one of them is danger-prone Daphne, (laughs) and they follow protocol to get it fixed and their whole ethos seems to be look we look for small donations but really we want to make the internet a safer place and that's just you know a cute ethos i love all that so anyway as one of their projects tim and sebastian decided to do some internet-wide scanning hunting down insecure human machine interfaces. This is known as HMIs. Now, an HMI is kind of the centralized control unit for manufacturing lines. I mean, we use them also, it's all the devices that we use, like a phone, right? It has an HMI to it. But if we look at the ones that are in manufacturing lines, this is things that let us do event logging or video feeds or event triggering. And it basically allows the person in charge to access the system at a moment's notice and make any changes, right? Okay. Um, now, these two started looking at the HMI of a sky lift at Patrick Kofelbahn, a mountain resort based near Innsbruck, Austria. Well done. Thank you very much. I said that beautifully. <laughs> now, Tim and Sebastian snoop about and guess what they find. Okay, you ready for this? Right. The chairlift's control panels was left wide open on the internet, meaning anyone from malicious agent to pesky kid, could take control of the ski lift. Now, first, there was no login screen for viewing or making changes to the ski lift. Second, and I'm quoting Bleeping Computer here, the wonderful Bleeping Computer, settings for controlling the ski lift's speed, the distance between the cable cars and cable tension were all exposed in the open, along with logs and other mm. data.
0: So this, this so you've got complete
2: control over this chairlift thing, Yep, just click on the bleeping computer link. There's a perfect uh, screenshot of actually the interface, and it's frightening. So you could say, I want these cable cars or whatever to be, I don't know. Go backwards at ridiculous speeds and very close and, together. And
0: be two inches apart yep, or something. Exactly. You know, right? Crikey.
2: And these two guys found that the firmware was outdated as well. So Internet Vaca did the right thing, reported the flaw to CERT Austria. The ski lift was taken off pretty darn quickly. And Innsbruck officials are taking, quote, extreme care to roll out a secure system before summer season, unquote. Um, I suppose it's not slopes, it would be more the roads or the paths, the fields. The thing is that they
0: may have fixed this particular instance, but they're, you know, they will probably Heidi somewhere or other running (laughs) some other ski lift or chairlift system, which is equally exposed. It's just this is the one that they found.
2: Uh, no, I know. Totally. Totally. And it's really scary because, you know, big manufacturing companies or critical infrastructure tend to think very much about security when doing these things. But these guys are kind of like, do chairlift operators even consider that their, you know, thingamajig is connected to the Internet? So there's like three kind of due diligences like everyone has to do. It's like, you know, did the people who you bought the gizmo from build it safely? Right. You've got to yeah. somehow make sure of that. And then, did you set the, game, the dingus up correctly? Did you make any mistakes? Did you leave it open? And you do checks, right? You don't have you looked at it in the last few years to make sure you've updated it and it's running correctly? And those are kind of the three things I think you've got to do, even if it's a chairlift or even it's like think about it, gyms, think of everything's internet Well once once you've set these things up it's just like it's just forgotten about
0: now i can imagine that the maybe the primary risk here would be just kids messing around right not thinking about the potential harmful consequences oh, of yeah but imagine yeah church. but imagine if you were some conspiracy theorist who believed that the royal family were shape-shifting lizards
2: <laughs> you might
0: take over a ski lift when prince charles and camilla we're going well, off on yeah, one exactly. of their jaws or Prince Andrew. And, and they're and, so much more
2: important than every one of us, of course.
0: Well, as a British person, I don't believe that crap, <laughs> obviously, deep down in my heart. But, that, you know, that's that's you know, there is the potential, though, for, for someone to do... I wonder if you could take over the ski lift. I wonder, if, hey, how about ransomware
2: for ski lifts? How about you get people stuck halfway okay, up enough, the mountain? Okay, enough feeding bad people ideas. Um, I think really all we need to do is whatever happened in Gudare, Georgia shows us how awful something like this could happen. So if you have someone that's connected to the internet, which basically means anything that you can control that's not actually actively connected to it, it's probably using the internet. Make sure it is locked down. Boom.
0: At the very least, have a password. Something like Ski Lift 1, <laughs> Ski Lift 2. Something like that.
1: And store it in your password manager. You guys.
0: Yeah. We'll be right back after this break with Pick of the Week. And thanks once again to Metacompliance for supporting this episode of Smashing Security. People are the key to minimising your cybersecurity risk posture. You can save 10% as a Smashing Security listener off the high-quality cybersecurity e-learning catalogue by going to metacompliance.com and quoting the code SMASHING. That's metacompliance.com, and don't forget the code SMASHING. On with the show. And welcome back. It's our favourite time of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of
2: the Week. Pick of
0: the Week. (laughs) He knows, he knows. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, an app, a website, a podcast, whatever they like. It doesn't have to be security related necessarily. It should not be security related at all. Okay, it can be chess related. Oh no! <laughs> and my pick of the week this week is a gallimorphry of geeky goodness.
2: You practiced that? Yes,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have more than you practiced your Austrian ski lift locations. Hang on, what what is a free A gallimorphry, I believe, is a con. Coction is it a of food? Is oh. it like a cornucopia in a way of sort of food and
1: oh, no, a confused, confused jumble a or medley, medley of, of things. things? Top hit on Google, thank you very much.
2: <laughs>
1: that was in, in, in imperfect perfect unison.
2: Yeah, our brains are synced. <laughs> And that is exactly
0: what this is, because it is a confused jumble of BBC sound effects. The BBC has compiled over 16,000 sound effects since <gasps> uh, they started doing such things in the 1920s. And they've made them available for free. Oh, I on a love website called that. I'll put, a, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's bbcsfx.acropolis. Let's
2: play a few on this show if and we can. If I can include some, I will. They've got well,
0: oh. well, 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 Kroll. I don't. Are we a commercial enterprise? That's the first thing. We do have sponsors. Yes, I'm not sure. Yes, we probably are. But they've got they've got everything there, right? They. If you need a classic door creak, I'll do the sound in case we're not allowed to use it. Or oh, good. if you wanted the sound of thirty budgery guards in a shed,
1: <laughs> are you going to do that as well, Graham? <laughs>
0: Sorry, I'm a budgerigar with asthma at the moment. <laughs> but you know, chirp, chip, chip 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 chip. Very cool pick of the week, Clue. Now, they haven't got every sound the BBC has produced. They don't have the radiophonic workshops. So I'm sorry, Doctor Who and Blake seven fans. You won't get to hear Aurax startup sound. What about the Archers? They must have loads of sound effects. Well, it's all just moos and things, isn't it, in the Archers? Um <laughs> So, like I said, um, the sound effects can only be used for personal, educational, or research purposes, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah. Um, and also, the interface means that you can't go and download all, you know, <laughs> 16,000 all at once. Um, so, the interface isn't fantastic. But I, I love this. I think it's fantastic. And it, it is hilarious, some of the sounds, which some BBC technician obviously went out in the 1930s and <laughs> recorded. Love thinking it. Maybe of use sometime. So. That is why it is my pick of the week. Ta-da. Now, David,
1: what's your pick? Well, of the Graham, week? this one is for you. Oh, um, it's, not my... chess. it's not chess. It's not
2: chess. It's well, not it chess. Well, it is
1: actually chess.
2: Yes, David. it is. The, it is
1: the musical. <laughs> The musical Chess, oh, cool. which is playing right now at the uh, the London Coliseum Theatre, which is the home of the English National Opera, and uh, opening night was earlier this week. you kidding uh, me? No, I mean, I'm so so. Chess was is a big musical that was written by the two blokes yes. out of Abba, Benny and Bjorn, along with lyricist Binion. Sir Tim Rice.
2: Abba too.
0: This is just my idea of
1: heaven, yeah. I have to say. Chess and So it's ABBA. got... It's, it's very rarely performed. And uh, like I say, the, the West End original uh, production was in 1986. It hasn't been performed in the West End since, but it's got some really memorable songs in there, like One Night in Bangkok and <laughs> I Know Him So Well and, and yes. Anthem. And the original cast had some brilliant names in it, like Elaine Page and Barbara Dixon and oh Dennis Quilley. This time around, it's got uh, Michael Ball and Alexandra Burke and... And <laughs> Tim Hower. Now, the, uh, the the first preview last week actually took a bit of a a turn for the worse when the lead, Tim Hower, who's also in Mike and the Mechanics, I should add, had to leave, had to make a move very quickly during the interval to go and make the birth of his baby boy. Um, but he's oh. uh, he's been back in again this week again. So it's playing at the Coliseum uh, this week and until the 2nd of June. And it's, I've got tickets to go and see it next <gasps> week.
2: I, I'm, I'm a bit jealous. I'm oh, a bit jealous. It's also jealous.
1: really interesting politically, uh, in that it it is a it's a face-off between the United States and Russia, uh, and it's it wow. very much yeah. as a kind of Cold War Cold War story. And uh, these are names that I don't really know. I'm sorry, Graham. You're gonna you're gonna scowl at me now, but it's uh, loosely based upon the stories of uh, Bobby Fischer and uh, Anatoly Karpov yeah. as well. So it's kind of a product of its time in the '80s. But then some would say maybe it's uh, eerily relevant right now as well.
2: This is maybe the second most interesting chess-related thing, or first actually, that has ever happened <laughs> on the show. and We've had a lot of chess stuff talked about. I, th-
0: <laughs> but this is fantastic because Bjorn and Benny are terrific. Abba were fantastic yeah. sometimes. Oh, come on, they're happen, fun. Actually. They're great fun. And do you, do you? Are you for? Are you aware? No, of this I've never heard of it at all. I don't know anything about this. You must. You must know. Not from that rendition. No. No. One (laughs) One
1: night in Bangkok. And I know him so well as well. That was. I know him so well, which was Elaine Barbara Dixon. um, Barbara Barbara Dixon. And how how these worked. And there were a number of these concept musicals back in the 80s or so where they released the album a couple of years to raise money to put on the stage production. And that was exactly what happened with Ah. Chess.
2: Hey, can you remember the best song Ah. or the most popular song from Mike and the Mechanics?
1: In the Living Years. Oh.
2: Oh yes, yes. <laughs> I thought there was I one that wish was more you like you could have told him in yeah,
1: oh, yeah, Say it, it loud, say <laughs> it clear. <laughs> musical yeah, theatre comes
0: okay. to smashing security. Graham, that's how you sing a tune. No, he did very well, didn't he? And I mean ABBA are having a bit of a resurgence at the moment, of course, because fantastic songs.
2: Mamma mia, let's move on. Okay, Crow, what's your pick of the week? So my pick of the week actually started way back in two thousand four. So it's nothing new and shiny. This is even though it has seven hundred thousand active users even today. So I'm talking about the world community grid. Do you heard of this, Graham? World Community what Grid? Is it? What, what I'm is sure it? David has. Yes, I have. Yeah. So it's coordinated by IBM and its mandate is to create the world's largest public computing grid to tackle scientific research projects that benefit humanity. Oh, okay. What a beautiful little statement. So it's kind of a teeny bit like legit crypto mining, where the WCG makes, uh, you know, a approved use of your idle processing power to number crunch for specific projects like learning more about cancer or influenza or Ebola or trying to eradicate these diseases. They've also done some deep dives into sustainable water, clean energy, human genome and proteomes and research like that. So really amazing stuff. And the best bit is the website. Go take a look at this website. All it's right. the most beautiful, simple. I miss website like this so much, and I really urge people to is go it back. It's like an to old
0: this. GeoCities website. Oh no, it's quite nice.
2: Look how how clearly. Just click on something, and then the information you get is exactly what you want. There's no there's no big whiz bang. There's nothing flashing around. There's no bright colors. <laughs> Okay. It's just nice and clear and perfect. Okay. Yeah, nice. And then you can go check out the stats there as well. So the stats showing how it's used and how people help. And, and they talk about how much more they have left on current projects that they're running. So and in, 22- in a mm-hmm.
0: nutshell, this is a variety of projects which are used in the idle time of your computer to go and do something helpful.
2: Right. And it kind of would probably cost you a tiny bit of money on your electrical bill, Right. Maybe on your on your uh, ISP bill, and that you need to look into. But mm-hmm. it's trying to use a tiny bit of that processing power to. And you can it
0: can choose which project you want to actually participate in. It's not like you 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 get divvied up between all of them, right?
2: No, no, no. It's very cool. And their whole t- I've read their terms and conditions. It seems very above board. They're basically saying we don't want anything from you. We don't want to collect any data. We don't. All we want is to basically. Mind these numbers and collect that.
1: It's funny how you liken this a bit to legitimate crypto mining, but I remember going back to the nineties or so. Uh SETI, yes. remember SETI at home, the search for extraterrestrial yes. intelligence. Yeah. And you had an agent very much like mm. this installed on your machine and it would use your it would it would have a really cool screensaver. I think that was the reason why many yes. people had it on there. <laughs> and I remember I had an IBM ThinkPad that I ran it on and every time my machine went idle Seti would kick in and it would start to take off the fans would spin up to full whack and i knew that it was yes i'm finding et fantastic and i kind of feel a bit guilty for going back to work again um but it strikes me very very similar to that Yeah. yeah
2: it's a cool thing to do and it helps science and research and humanity and it's something that even the terribly lazy graham like the terribly lazy can do to be amazing world citizens
0: You mentioned my name for some reason at that point, Carol. Let's just. uh, David doesn't sound lazy to me at all. Apart from I'm the actual (laughs) skier, it turns out. (laughs) Let's not forget that I'm the athlete.
2: Anyway, check out check out theworldcommunitygrid.org. Well, that just about wraps
0: it up for the show today. If you want to follow us, you can do so at smashinsecurity, no G. Twitter wouldn't allow us to have a G. <laughs> and you can pick up mugs and t shirts and stickers and things like that at slash store. And don't forget, if you're interested in seeing us live next month in the UK, go to slash live and you can see the dates. Hope to see you there. Be brilliant. And things there. David, thank you for joining us. If yes. people You're most welcome. want to follow you online, what's the best way to do that? Uh,
1: probably go to Twitter at David McClelland. That's two C's, three L's, and a few vowels chucked in as well.
0: <laughs> that sounds <laughs> like a, a master password to me. <laughs> so uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. If you like the show, do rate us on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. And it actually helps new listeners discover the show as well. So go to www.smashingsecurity.com if you want to. Check out some of our past episodes and the details of how to get in touch with us. Until next time, cheerio, bye-bye. Bye, everyone.
2: Apparently, entirely unconnected with the Duguari ski lift disaster which happened the same day, these two find the HMI of a sky lift at... Pachero Kelfan, I can say. That I've practiced so much as well. <laughs> and I've wrote it phonetically. Sorry. We're, I'm going to try again. Skylift where, <laughs> I'm going to try and do it seriously first because I don't think I'm going to do it. Um, now, these two started looking at the HMI of a Skylift at Patrick Kofellbahn, a mountain resort based near Innsbruck, Austria. Well done. Thank you very much. I said that beautifully.